0: Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoy this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ashna and Jennifer Lynn.
1: tuning in to Divine Nobody's podcast. How you doing, Jen? I'm
0: doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How you doing with the whole Daylight Savings Time? It actually occurred today, March 13th at 2 a.m. local time for most Americans.
0: Yeah. I'm exhausted today. It's so weird how one hour can make you so tired.
1: Oh, yeah. And I wanted to look into it just to kind of talk about it. I mean, this is something that we've sort of been blindly following for a long time, and there's a lot of history involved in this. I'm not going to get too far into the history, but it does do something awful to your sleeping patterns. It says that Advancing clocks by 1 hour has been shown to disrupt sleep in Americans every spring, along with the rise in traffic accidents and heart attacks. Wow. Can you believe that? So no. this morning, I was awoken at around the exact same time that it says here that that time change takes place at around 3 a.m. last night to the sound of this this perpetual sound of somebody's alarm in the distance on my street. And I woke up so early. It was so early. I remember even my cat was giving me this look like, What the hell are you doing awake? Because usually the cat usually like hangs out at the end of my bed and I got up and I was just like trying to figure out what's going on. My cat's like, huh. This is unlike you. Anyway, so they created this whole sort of like township rebellion on my neighborhood street. (laughs) <laughs> I looked outside because it was one a situation where like the alarm would go off and it would go for like two or three minutes at a time. And that's one thing that's you can be, you know, you can forgive that. And it would, the car alarm would go off and then like five minutes later it would turn on and it did this literally for like two or three hours. Oh my so God. at some point you can start to hear because everything's so quiet outside, right? At two or three a.m. No one's doing anything, right? But then you can start to hear the ruffle in the complex. You can start to hear the door slamming outside, See, you know that people are awake (laughs) trying to figure out what's going on. For sure. And we are going outside. And I saw people on the balcony, saw like some guy I've never even seen before walk outside in his balcony without his shirt on. That's how you know when shit's crazy, when you got like a dude walking in his boxers outside without a shirt on. And the one thing that I observed about this whole thing that I thought was kind of cool, because we live in a a world that's kind of largely divided by a lot of different ideologies. I felt like we all stood united together for one common goal, Jen. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) To save, to save sleep.
0: Yes. You know? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the people with kids? All the animals are up. The babies are crying. Oh, you know, yeah. Everyone's tired. Well, I, I guess the only bright side is that it happened on the weekend and not during the weekday.
1: Yeah. But if, you or know, the rise and all these yeah. things, then these sort of unfortunate things that happen, which do, I imagine are due to health. I know some people that once you wake them up, they can't go back to sleep. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those fortunate people that doesn't really or ever I never really required a whole lot of sleep. I'm one of those people that you hear about that only need like three or four hours of sleep a day. Yeah. And I'm good. But there are, are some people, including roommates that I've had, like if they don't get their solid seven hours of sleep, life ain't happening for them or other people. So I can imagine that, especially when you have kids, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I I really only require five hours, but as I get older, I've been sleeping a little longer. I also go to bed earlier. Really? Yeah, I go to bed at like 10 o'clock.
1: It's interesting because I noticed that just working alongside of like elderly people, their, their sleep schedule is kind of all over the place because a lot of our sleep is driven by responsibilities that we have the next day, like work or activities with friends. But when you're an elderly person, you don't really have all of those things. So I noticed that like sometimes they'll wake up or my grandma used to wake up at like 3 a.m. in the morning. I don't even know why. She's just, oh, I just wake up. I just naturally wake up that way. And I remember seeing documentaries online of like this uh, elderly grandfather type of fellow that would wake up randomly at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, take a shot of whiskey, eat some ice cream, feed his cats, and then go back to sleep.
0: Oh, I don't know that I could go. Once I get up and I start moving around, I can't go back to sleep. Really? Like Zeppelin, he'll come in our room, uh, and this happens every single night, so we had to start locking him in the office, so he couldn't come in the room and wake us up. But right around, you know, 3 a.m., between 3 and 5 is really kind of his sweet spot, and he'll come in and start meowing super loud, and then he'll run up the headboard and sit at the top. So he'll wake the dogs up and then they start barking. I found that if I get up and I go lock him in the room, that I can't go back to sleep. I have yeah. to stay in the bed. The That's second I the get boops out of bed. Start happening. It's over. Yeah.
1: That's when the boops start happening. That's when the biscuits are starting to be made by the kitties. Yep. When they want you to get up, they they have these weird crazy, weird subtle ways of doing it. But you know, there are there are some advantages to the time change as far as right now. I'm one of those people that loves the idea of having more light at the end of the workday. You know, Mm -hmm. I noticed that my behavior and my emotions sort of, uh, of course, try to go kind of go with the seasons. And uh, whenever it's more dark out earlier, uh, it tends to be more of a time for introspection. So now that we're venturing into the realm of longer days and more light, naturally, I become somebody that's a little bit more productive, you know, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, Jen, because today's topic is going to be about hustle culture, the pros as well as the cons more more often, the more likely it's going to be. lot of cons because this is something that I think me and you have some experience in. And it took us going down that long path of hustle culture in order to realize all of the really unfortunate things that it can do to your health having gone down that path. So before we get started, I wanted to actually just give some context to this whole thing. I didn't know this until I researched, Jen, where the term sort of hustle came from. And uh, it's really, really surprising. It says the culture of hustle finds its roots in late 19th century American society when To hustle meant to work extra hard, which is pretty obvious, but it was used specifically concerning African Americans. There were publications that came out during the time that associated blackness with laziness, and stated that a lack of hustle was the reason African Americans struggled to integrate into the economy post-emancipation. The idea that the obstacles African Americans faced were due to their own failures rather than systemic oppression became pervasive. So black people started to hustle against systems such as those that perpetuated racial segregation and white, white supremacist violence. So basically, during that time, the hustle became associated with illegal activities such as theft. And then from there, it sort of found its way into the mainstream when it came to like music and hip hop and artists became, you know, started flaunting how much the hustle was the reason for their stardom and their success. I think the definition of that is really kind of unfortunate, but we've adapted this sort of culture with millennials and Gen Z specifically, right? So now we have a completely different definition of what hustle culture means it is defined by how much you do daily to get ahead it's common for us especially nowadays to have more than one job something that we can do on the side and i think this is where hustle culture comes into play. So I feel like there's a, I don't really blame millennials or Gen Z's to falling into this because of the world that we live in. It's really expensive to live, right? You have inflation. Inflation makes everything really, really, really difficult to live. I mean, the cost of housing, the cost of just going through a regular everyday life is so high. So we have to, in a lot of ways, every single person to some degree has to hustle. There isn't anybody that I know in LA that doesn't have some sort of side hustle or something they're trying to make happen. At the same time, if you're a millennial, and more than likely you've grown up in a family where there's only one parent and you're having Mm -hmm. to take care of the family alongside of the one parent that you work with or the one parent that you have, right? Right. I think that's where kind of... Hustle culture came in, so really no fault of their own. We're a part of this sort of government and the society that causes us to really, really, I guess, just work our asses off in order to make a living. So what we're going to be talking about, I think, is a more sort of like a subgenre of self-help, which is kind of a strategy that people sort of embark on in order to try and make this sort of success that people are looking for happen. And there are all different ways to go about doing this, but the hustle culture that we're going to be talking about are basically like the Gary V's of the world you know, that are driven by these sort of social media influencers that are giving us or selling us this sort of ideology that in order to be successful, we got to do very specific sets of practices in order to make it happen. And sometimes those things aren't always the greatest for our health, right? Yeah, absolutely. You had a business, Jen. Like you you were, as long as I've known you, you've been a business owner. You've had several different businesses since I've known you. I can imagine hustle culture caught you at some point, right?
0: Oh God, yeah. I've been in the hustle forever. Uh, and I think it started because I was on my own so young. So yeah. I had to work a second job just to survive. And I remember going and having $20 the entire week. And I had to buy gas and pay for food <laughs> with $20. You know, so it's uh, looking back on that and working two jobs nonstop and always being tired because I worked the night shift at um, IHOP.
1: No, <laughs> oh, you, you worked at yeah. IHOP, Jen? Yeah,
0: I did. Flapjacks? I worked yeah. Yeah. So yeah, oh I was um, I would start at 10 o'clock at night and then I would go uh, till seven in the morning.
1: How old were you when you did that?
0: Uh,
1: 18. 18? Mm-hmm. Wow. I can relate to everything that you're saying. And I think that's the reason why the hustle got me early. The thug life got me early, Jen, because it was the same situation for me. We both were more or less caretaking. Our parent figure at the time, which my father was, you know, he was a drug addict. That was a very unfortunate thing, but I had to like really start early because I was very, yeah. really independent and I had to take care of my family. So I ended up getting one of my first jobs in Arizona when I was um, 15 or 16 years old at Denny's working the night <laughs> shift. Yeah. So I would work I'd I'd get in there like around like I think like nine or ten p.m. and then I wouldn't leave work until the following like seven or eight a.m. and then I had to go to school directly after work, so I I wasn't getting any sleep. And maybe that's I've conditioned myself to not ever need sleep. That's exactly same situation.
0: That that was my exact schedule. So I worked at Journeys, uh, shoe store, stocking shoes in the back.
1: Journeys and, too. Um,
0: at IHOP and went to school. So and the the IHOP was located directly next to a strip club. So the strippers would come in after they got off work and eat breakfast together. So they were my customers, like were strippers.
1: Right, they <laughs> which was kind of
0: like, nice because I got good tips. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they like pay you like thirty dollars in one dollar bills.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if they had a good night, I, I had a good night. You know.
1: I remember that because there were benefits to working the night shift because I remember like, uh, you know, you had the, 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 the club crowd or the people that like hung out at the bars and they needed somewhere to go, some like mm-hmm. respite at the end of the night. And I'd always have drunk people come in and at the end of the, and, and then when they order, they're like, I don't know, give me whatever. And then you just bring <laughs> them out food. And at the end of that whole thing, you bring them out the bill and they just like, they just throw money at you. And I'm like, well, do you want change? They're like, ah, don't worry about it. I remember I used to get like really, really large tips mm-hmm. from these people. I never had anybody come back at the, you know, the next day being like, Hey, you know that like a hundred dollars that I gave you, can I get the change back? Like, I feel like I kind of got away with that. So that was cool. So basically like that whole hustle culture came as a result, at least for us. And I, I'm considered a millennial. Mm -hmm. I think that you're probably on the cusp of that as well. Uh, A lot of us had to sort of like take on, you know, secondary jobs or find a way to make money as a way to support our families. So I think in that way, I think that is the majority of kind of what people are experiencing nowadays. So you have two kind of different reasons. One, people need to make a living. Mm -hmm. And hustle culture seems appealing to those people because it gives us a strategy in order to try and be successful. But it's all about how you go about doing it, Right. right? It's all about how you go about doing it, how it integrates into your life in a healthy and cohesive way. So when you had your own businesses, Jen, aside of that, this is like kind of moving forward into your adulthood. How did that sort of hustle culture exist in your life at that time?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I started hustle culture as a way to survive and then it kind of turned into a lifestyle. You know, I felt guilty if I wasn't working and as unhealthy as that sounds, it's true. And then outside of that, I also used it as like a, a form of escapism. So right. I had a lot of like emotional issues growing up and um, whenever you're working, you're not thinking about, you know, your boyfriend or your girlfriend that broke up with you or how broke you are or, you know, anything else that's happening in your life You're just focused on work. So, um, yeah. So as an adult, I just kind of use that as, as a form of emotional bypass
1: that's true and I, and I did the same thing you know if you're if you're coming from a broken home if you're coming from you know being a caretaker to a, a, a toxic figure in your life the things that you will do in order to distract yourself mm-hmm. from having to really feel through that especially at a young age like you may not have the maybe the emotional maturity in order to like really lean into what it is that you're experiencing so the only thing that you can do is distract yourself with a job or yeah. to trying to create an entirely different life different than the one that you have so in a lot of ways it's innocent we want a better life for ourselves, yeah. right? But as it pertains to hustle culture today, uh, which is what we wanted to kind of discuss, is, that, is, is doing all of those things for the wrong reasons.
0: Oh, man, right? yeah. Every single business I've ever owned was for the wrong reason.
1: For the wrong um, reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I've never, I've yet to own a business that um, that was born of creativity or because I just, for fun or, you know, whatever, everything was like, okay, you know, this looks like a good financial opportunity um, this looks like it could be really lucrative. And those were always the drivers for why I was, you know, getting involved in these businesses. And as a result of that, none of them worked. Because you really do have to have a passion for what it, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, that's true. Otherwise you burn out. And that's exactly what happened. I burned out on every single one of these these businesses. Yeah.
1: And that, that's something that we kind of lend itself to capitalism in a way, because we live in a society that where you're defined by the things that you do and not the reason why you do those things, right? Mm-hmm. So we're defined by the wealth right. that we have. We're defined by how much productivity at a surface level that we could dish out. But the question never comes in as to whether or not somebody's actually happy, happy doing these things. Because as far as the way that I grew up, it was all about, okay, if you had money, that was the only thing that really mattered. What you needed to do in order to get that was all that really mattered the question of whether mm-hmm. or not you're happy doing those things wasn't really a question that people were asking at the time you just do what you got to do especially if you're part of a lower income family mm-hmm. the idea of doing something that makes you happy isn't really the priority that priority no, is so it's surviving. not even an option it's yeah. not an
0: option <laughs> you know right. it's like no i need to do something to make money because i need to eat you know right
1: exactly so I we're all sort of on over this my boat head, like, yeah, so we're all in this boat trying to survive. So I can acknowledge that every single person is hustling in some way, but hustle culture is a very specific ideology. And I guess we can start by just talking about why people get into hustle culture. At least from my experience, they categorize it into sort of the the self help category. I'm not going to talk too much about self help, but the feelings that I notice people go into hustle culture with are feelings of inadequacy. They yeah. feel like they're missing something. You know, they have Instagram accounts, social media accounts, especially nowadays. You go online, you're seeing a bunch of people appearing to look and seem like they have a better life than yours because social media is sort of um, driven by that sort of like lifestyle it becomes easy to feel as though you're not doing enough in your life so you have feelings of inadequacy you have f- feelings of purposelessness you want to find some sort of purpose you also want to feel good you want to be identified with that success and that wealth because it's what you see all around you as being sort of like the pinnacle and the paragon of where it is that we need to be and so I think the main energy is feelings of inadequacy And whenever you have feelings of inadequacy entering into anything, you have this sort of uh, underlying energy of vulnerability. Because if you're desperate in need for money, the things that you will do in order to get there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how people glorify overworking. Like it's this badge of honor. If you're overworking, you know, that's, that's what you should be doing. And all that does is create like this... Interesting environment of fear, guilt, and shame, um, especially when you feel like you're not running as the, at the same pace as everyone
1: else. Yeah. You feel
0: like you're like constantly behind.
1: You're setting the bar so high. And I got to think, okay, well, yeah. who sets the bar? Who sets the bar for yeah. these things? Well, you have okay. the Gary V's of the world. You have the Simonson X in the world. You have the Steve Jobs of the world, the Elon Musk of the Elon world. Elon Musk. These, mm-hmm. Like these, these tech companies, I think, for the most part are the ones that kind of perpetuate this sort of hustle culture, right? It's this mm-hmm. idea of building yeah. something from the very bottom becoming an entrepreneur and being the sort of moderator of your life. I think it also comes as a result of people not wanting to engulf themselves in the sort of 9 to 5 corporate America, you know, that time is that that era of time is something that millennials do not identify with at all. Millennials just right. do not like the idea of spending all of their time working, so they're trying to find more efficient ways in order to make money, more fast and easy ways to make money. And I mm-hmm. think the hustle culture ends up becoming really enticing to them.
0: It gave birth to the gig economy, Um, all of these millennials doing, um, learning certain skills and and just doing gigs. So uh, whenever you're just doing gigs and you don't have a steady stream of income, you really do have to hustle because you don't know where your next job is coming from.
1: Yeah. And I always try and keep a sort of like a, a spiritual underpinning behind why we do all of these things. And I always keep coming back to the feelings of inadequacy. And then as a result of that, the vulnerability that we enter into this space. So we're likely to get influenced by lots of different things, toxic and positive. I find that hustle culture kind of denotes more toxicity when in, when it comes to this thing, because if we're approaching it with feelings of vulnerability and inadequacy, then we can be easily taken advantage of by other people. But there is one thing that I did want to talk about, which is the sort of, I guess, the neurological sort of implications to this, uh, which I think we've talked about this before, which is that one thing that I think people do is is when they start on this sort of path, is they start reading books about it. You can go mm-hmm. on YouTube, and you can watch a million talks about hustle culture. The one thing that I found when I first got into it is how incredibly motivating it makes you feel, Uh, how incredibly motivated it makes you feel. You feel like literally you can do anything. And you have these millionaires doing talks in front of their Lamborghinis or like they're doing seminars with these little earpieces. And they're just like the Tony Robbins (laughs) of the world that are making you so motivated that you're willing to just walk over hot coals or like (laughs) take, you know, below zero cold showers, you know, like shit like that. And that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it makes you feel a certain way. And I did some research on this and apparently positivity and motivation is really strongly linked to dopamine, the dopamine mm-hmm. receptors that we have in our brain. So after I would read these books, after I would hear these talks, you just feel like, oh shit, I got to do something. I feel so good. Well, what you're feeling is a combination of things. I think the most pronounced thing that you feel is the dopamine high. And we can become yeah. addicted to that high. Yeah. Like, and and, yeah, and in yeah. the same way, because it, you can become addicted to that dopamine high, you can become addicted to this idea of improving, this idea of success and improvement. And this can come. This can, in a lot of ways, distract you from how you really feel inside. Just because you feel motivated to make something happen doesn't mean that those feelings of inadequacy go away. Right. Yeah. The one thing that I think a lot of people are missing in hustle culture is this sort of need to act on that motivation. And also find something that you're passionate about and something that you love to do and manning the ship in that way.
0: Yeah. You know what I found in in my businesses and, you know, always working two jobs and always having something else in the background going on is that I would always lose sight of why I was doing it. Like I would lose sight of the why. And, um, you gotta be really careful. You know, it's one thing to have a second job at night doing something that you really love. Like say you're a singer and you know, you're singing in bars at night because you want to advance that part of your life. And maybe you have to work in a diner during the day. I don't know. So that's, that's one thing, but it's a completely different thing when you have a second job, you know, for the purpose of just making money or creating wealth and you lose sight of why you're even doing it.
1: I think it's a really important thing is to, to, to find out what your why is, why it is that you do things. Mm-hmm. And maybe your why right. might be wealth. Okay, well, if your why is wealth and you equate that to success, you can go down that path and you can get a lot of wealth. But that doesn't mean you're going to be happy doing it. Nope. You know,
0: <laughs> sure like, It doesn't mean you're
1: going to be happy doing it. And so, you know, it's this in this whole thing is just has this feeling of taking one set of sort of feelings of inadequacy or maybe one sets of one set of addiction or or toxic behavior, and replacing it with another one. I I think the main thing with hustle culture that I noticed is that it can give you these um, feelings of positivity that aren't really earned in a way. It's like this uh, this feeling of. Accomplishment without actually even accomplishing something. There's this uh, fellow by the name of MJ DeMarco. He has this term, terminology called action faking, which is doing something without any progress being made. And I think that hustle culture kind of denotes this in a lot of ways too, because it makes us feel super amped and super on top of the world without having anything really to show for it. So I think it's really important that if you're going to go down this path to find out what your why is, just like you said, and figure out what it is that you're passionate about, because I find that. You're more than likely willing to put everything that you can into something if you enjoy doing it. And if you don't enjoy doing it, if you're not passionate about doing it, you will maybe still give out the same level of energy, but you'll burn out. You'll realize you'll that it out. doesn't make you happy.
0: And and rarely are you successful.
1: Rare, rarely are yeah. you successful. So, and this is also the thing too. I feel like I, I get it when we're young, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you need to take on a second job. Mm-hmm. And that whole feeling of, obviously I didn't wake up thinking that like, you know what, I'd be really happy working at Denny's. Like that's not like a situation yeah, that right. happened when yeah. you were young, mm-hmm. but when you get older and you have, a job already and you're doing okay. There's this one thing that happens where I feel like, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that we, first of all, have jobs. There are some families out there that would absolutely love to just have the job or nine to five job that you have that don't have access to that. So Mm -hmm. we have to be also be grateful for what we do have and not just completely because this is the thing I remember going to this uh, discovery training a while back. It was sort of like a landmark training. And this is a perfect example of this whole thing because they were selling a certain future to you. They were giving you this idea that you are worth so much more than what you currently have. And I remember some people that were in that course, and I took a lot of really good things from it, but I remember some people that were in that course had perfectly great jobs. They had uh, degrees in like sociology. They worked at nonprofits. After this class, they wanted to just completely quit their job and pursue something they had no, no experience in whatsoever. And you know what? Those people did do that. They ended up quitting their jobs. It hurt them financially. It hurt their family financially, all Mm -hmm. because of these feelings of motivation, this sort of the selling of this future that they were promised, and they didn't get it.
0: Right. And you know, there's a degree of that that you can manifest, right? You know, like there's a degree of manifestation to bring yourself into a new career or you know, what have you, but it's completely different to just stop and quit your job, (laughs) like, you know, and have a complete career change without um, any preparation, any preparation to move you in that direction.
1: So it's like, it's like, it's not like looking at it so much as black or white. Like you, you don't have to just completely quit your job and and leave yourself at risk and your family's risk. The hustle could be about trying to juggling the two, like uh, being able to work your, your job and then also do this thing on the side. I remember Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast by almost 30, and that was the advice that they gave is, you know, you don't, just because you have a podcast, like, you know, it makes more sense to sort of juggle your primary job so that you're not placing yourself at sort of financial risk. But I'm just noticing a lot of people nowadays because of that motivation, because of that dopamine high, because of that addiction to getting better, they're willing to just start from the very beginning. And you can do that, but... I think that there are some repercussions that go along with that, which is that you can really fuck yourself up doing that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's better ways to do it for sure. Better ways Yeah, you know, my to grandma do it. used to say, yeah, my grandma used to say a candle that burns twice as hot will burn out twice as fast. And when she said that, she said it in reference to relationships, right? But um, it's totally applicable with, with other situations in life, uh, especially working.
1: So. Yeah. And so I think we need to really look at where this information is coming from. Like who are the main moderators of this sort of hustle culture that are dishing this stuff out? And I think that there are a lot of teachers out there that have good intentions, but I also feel like there are people out there that don't have good intentions that are looking to take advantage of mm-hmm. people, right? So I looked into this, yeah. this whole era of sort of like fake gurus, there's a, there's this, this whole generation, oh <laughs> this whole group of people that are pointing this stuff out. And I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. The self-help industry is a $13.6 billion business. Right? Wow. I didn't realize, and,
0: I didn't realize it was that big.
1: I didn't know it was that big either. So whenever you have money flowing in with that much money, there's always going to be, just like anything in life, there's always going to be people that want to take advantage of that. And as a result, take advantage of other people. This is sort of like the most worthy relationship to a toxic person, because who are you attracting? Who is your audience? If you're somebody that's either a coach or a motivational speaker, most of them are people that feel like they're missing something, people that are not doing well, people that have feelings of inadequacy. So they write books, courses, retreats, coaching services that you can invest in with these promises of success or these lessons of needing to hustle in order to get by. And they can trick you into thinking that you need all of this stuff in order to get to that place. And, you know, I've been online, you know, I know exactly how this stuff works. They can charge you thousands and thousands of dollars that you don't have in order to have the opportunity to hop on board that sort of ship that they're on and end yeah. up taking advantage of innocent people. Really sad. Yeah. I
0: never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. The people that attend those seminars are attending them um, a lot of times out of desperation.
1: Right. And I look at it kind of in the uh, same way really that uh, like mega churches approach Christianity. Oh, uh, yikes. Yeah. Christianity keeps <laughs> you convinced that you are a sinner and that you need the church in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So what they do is they keep you in this perpetual state of being a sinner, right? That you mm-hmm. need God, you need the church in order to pass go. And I feel like with uh, self-help, it keeps you addicted to a dream that you'll be successful by keeping you yeah. kind of in this state of dissatisfaction because they set the mm-hmm. bar so high. Right. You're always one meditation away, one retreat away, one course away from reaching success and happiness, but they never, ever clearly define what that destination is well, because that is right. up to you. That is up completely yeah. up to you. Um, and if it were up to those people, they wouldn't need the course in order to get there, you know? So it's like they sell this sort of ideology that you're trying to make happen, but you're not even entirely sure that it even exists, you know? Mm,
0: for sure. There's always a master class and the master class cost twice as much Yeah, <laughs> as the intro.
1: Yeah. And the risky thing about like, I guess, spiritual modalities like Reiki and a lot of these sort of energy healings is that... You know, a lot of our Western society considers it a pseudoscience. I don't because I believe in the energetics and the energy behind it. But then you have these, these people that enter into this field and take advantage of that by selling false mm-hmm. services. Like I remember I knew this astrologer a long time ago and I have been a part of the New Age community for a long time. And if you've been a part of the community for a long time, you know that it doesn't cost four hundred dollars for a one-hour-long astrology service. Right? Four
0: hundred dollars.
1: Four hundred dollars. knew somebody that
0: was charging four hundred dollars?
1: Four hundred dollars to sit <laughs> for with an this astrology person reading for an hour and Holy a half shit. to go over an astrology chart that you can find online for free.
0: Oh my right? God, I'm in the wrong business.
1: Yeah, like you hear stuff like that, and I just my <laughs> my my Libra scales start my, my little spidey senses and my Libra skills start going crazy. Because because I just think of how unfair that is, because I knew the type of people that this person would attract. Yeah, They were, you know, desperate housewives or like, like single mothers or men that were going through a divorce, people that were going through really unfortunate times in their lives. And they turn to somebody and trust them to give them information that will help them uh, on the path to recovery or the path to success. But I noticed that a lot of these people also didn't have the money to pay for this, but they found the money. Because you know what these type of people say to others is that if you care about yourself, you will invest in your future. And if oh my you don't gosh. and if you don't, then you don't care about yourself. Right? Oh, a crock of shit.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. And that's just taking advantage of people and yeah. preying on these poor people while they're out there searching for answers yeah. to whatever their problem is in life. That's horrible.
1: It's true. And you know, and I, I've seen this happen where it's like, you know, somebody comes back to somebody and says, hey, you know, I don't think I really got what I needed from the sound bath or this uh, $1,500 course or this uh, t- retreat that I went on. And they'll say mm-hmm. something to the effect of, well, you know, it's your own thoughts and your own ego preventing you from accessing that success.
0: You're blocking yourself. You're blocking you're just, yourself you're, from success.
1: Yeah, it's like they, they, they escape any accountability, given there are yeah. some people that will maybe like work with you in order to like try and make life happen, but there I'm talking about the people out there that are in this business to take advantage of other people, and this is what we leave ourselves vulnerable too, when we go down this path. So to talk about hustle culture a little bit more, a lot of what hustle culture promotes is working hard for the sake of working hard, working hard for its sake versus working hard for the right thing. And if that's the Mm -hmm. case, it becomes more of like a distraction. At least from my perspective, hustle culture works in direct contradiction to spirituality. But you find that a lot of coaches try to integrate the two. This idea of like spirituality is about, you know, accessing a certain state of peace and awareness within yourself and then operating from that place. How does that go with burning yourself out, trying to obtain success? I'm noticing that in spiritual circles, that sort of hustle culture thing works. and I just feel like they're just too completely different conflicting ideologies. And I think in hustle culture, we could.
0: Yeah. I I was just thinking hustle culture is so bad for you. It's so bad for your psyche, but it's also really bad for your body. And I think people overlook that being in that constant state of stress, you start to produce more cortisol. And as a result of that, all kinds of really fun things happen in your body. You know, it increases anxiety and depression, heart disease, memory impairments, weight gain, you know, all, all of that stuff from, from prolonged periods of, of stress.
1: Right. So when I hear like these, uh, career coaches that have more of like a spiritual basis behind what they do, this is exactly what I think about. You're, Mm -hmm. you're motivating them to do more and to work longer hours. But at the same time, you're trying to sell them this whole, like, well, it's about well being and inner peace. I'm like, well, how do you bridge those two together if they're two completely different sort of ideologies? I think the first step really is finding something that we are passionate about that doesn't feel like work. This is how I would approach it, you know, where instead of hustle, it becomes more satisfaction. Because yeah. if we get into this whole idea that like we need to hustle in order to make a living, then I think that just automatically equates to burnout. I think the best way to look at it, at least for me, is when I started doing something that I was passionate about, it's like a sound healing or podcasting, it doesn't feel like work to me because it's something that I genuinely love to do. That's a different Mm -hmm. energy that sort of powers that ship that you're not thinking of the amount of money that you'll get from doing this. You're thinking about how good this makes you feel. You're thinking about how much purposefulness it adds into your life. And I feel like that is more sustainable. And I think that that's a really big thing with hustle culture is it's not sustainable over time.
0: It's not. It's not. And people think that by hustling more that Um, They're going to get more done or they're going to be more creative, you know, because they're working on things longer. But it's actually the complete opposite. There's a lot of studies that show um, that you're actually less creative. It it blocks your creativity um, being uh, overworking.
1: And that's true. You know why? Because creativity at least from my perspective, can't be forced.
0: Yeah, I feel like whenever you have
1: this idea of creativity needing to be forced, like waking up saying, okay, I need to make this happen, I think we can get in the way of progress when we feel that we have so much Mm -hmm. to lose by not being creative. Like I I brought up this metaphor before in the past, which is like there are some artists out there, their first album is really fucking good. Like all the songs are on their album are amazing. And they came from this sort of like natural flow that happens during the creative process that just comes from the experiences that they have in life. The second they get signed to a major record label, the clock starts ticking. So you have all these yeah. musicians packing into a studio trying to make creativity happen. And then the second album sucks. Yeah. And at yeah, the same it's time, so it's like you you at least for me, like whenever it came to making music, whenever it came to writing, whenever I find myself With this pressure of having to be creative, makes it so hard to access the creative realm because creativity is really something that is driven by this feeling of spontaneity. It's like it's accessing a different reservoir of energy inside of you that can't be explained, Mm -hmm. can't be defined. It's just something that I guess we would call the flow state, right?
0: The flow state, yeah, exactly. It comes from a place of love, you know, whenever you're, you're operating from a place of love. Um, and you're doing something that you really love to do. It puts you in flow and then the creative juices start flowing and you're, you're naturally productive, right? Um, That's whenever right. we're trying to force that and, and overworking, you know, it blocks your creativity and also reduces your productivity yeah. and it takes so much longer to produce, you know, results of a said project than if you would have given yourself some breaks and where it wasn't so forced.
1: That's true. And I think a lot of that maybe can come down to whether or not we trust ourselves. I I think one thing is that when we are so focused on hustling, we can really easily lose sight of everything else in life that we can draw inspiration from. Because if we have an expectation of how something should look, you're completely negating all of the other sources of inspiration that you can draw into your life that can make you more creative. And so... I Mm -hmm. I feel like it's uh, really important to always keep your awareness open to everything. You can draw inspiration from literally everything, but when you have just this one pointed focus, like it has to happen a certain way, no surprise that you get in your own way. I remember when I used to do sound baths a while back, I used to always stress about how I I needed to do it, what it is that I needed to talk about, how it was going to play a certain way. And I noticed every time I did that, I got in my own way. And I noticed uh, Mm -hmm. once I just trusted myself and just did it with just trust that I knew exactly what I was doing, I remember... It it was like accessing a different part of my subconscious and my spirit. It and it was something that definitely wasn't premeditated. Like it just flowed so much better. Whenever I would think too much about what I was going to say, I would always hiccup over my own words. But whenever I just sort of trusted myself and moved forward, somehow it always ended up working out. So I think, absolutely, um, yeah, I think we need to make sure that hustling doesn't become a distraction to life. We can lose focus on all the beautiful things if uh, we're just constantly distracted by this fast paced sort of culture because it can come at the cost of everything that makes you human.
0: It's such an unnatural way to live. You know, like you stop at some point you stop participating in the human experience and you know, you stop doing things that you really like to do. You start avoiding your hobbies, maybe avoiding your family or your partner, um, avoiding, you know, your own self care. It's (laughs) true. It's a, it's a really unnatural way to live. I mean, you, you can't just check out of the human experience. Yeah. even though a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me when I started reading up about this whole thing is how like how your relationships suffer. Like yeah. There are some people that take pride in the fact that they're always busy. They're like, sorry, I can't go to lunch with you guys. I, I have to work. Or I'm sorry, I can't go on this trip with you guys because I have to work. I'm sorry, mom, I can't come and see you because I have this, this thing that I'm doing. There's a certain demographic of people that feel pride in the fact that they're doing something and they think that other people are going to be like, well, you know what? That guy is making life happen. But... The dark side Mm -hmm. of that is that those relationships start to deteriorate. Your relationship with your mother, your relationship with your friends, at the end of the day, maybe you may be successful, but you're not going to have anybody in your life to enjoy it with. And to me, it's not worth that. (laughs) That's where that saying,
0: it's lonely at the top, you know? That's where that comes from.
1: It's lonely at the top. Also, culture promotes not being satisfied unless a certain result is accomplished. It can give us a false sense of confidence leading to irresponsible decisions to quit jobs that affect independence and family, our, our relationships with our families. So it's definitely something to take a look at. And I don't know, every time I get on this sort of boat with hustle culture, and I, I've, I've been a part of this too, especially when you're on social media, there's always this pressure involved to make the next video, to make the next post, to, to have this many followers, have this many likes and subscriptions. And I had to really sit and ask, like, think to myself, like, what is the goal? Is the goal to monitor my progress by the numbers? or by maybe the value that I feel like it's giving me or other people. And it's not one of those things that can happen overnight. And it's not going to be one of those things that will produce immediate results. And I think that's where the passion needs to take place because that's the only sustainable energy that's going to kind of take that sprint along with you, is doing something just because it makes you happy, just because it provides you with happiness to where it doesn't even feel like work. Five years, 10 years down the line, you'll still be doing it because it makes you happy. And maybe by that time... You will have achieved what you wanted to achieve, but we live in an era of sort of instantaneous sort of results. The amount of anxiety that it puts people through when they invest their time into something or all of their money into something and they expect an immediate result and not get it mm-hmm. can pull you further back into these feelings of inadequacy. And it can also pull you further in more than likely being taken advantage of by people trying to sell you courses in order to try and heal that and move forward with something else. You know what I mean?
0: And you get taken advantage of in in many different ways, not just by people trying to sell you courses, but, you know, you can even be taken advantage of at work, like by your boss, by your company, you know, um, if you're feeling like you're obligated to not take a sick day or a personal day um, or not take your full lunch break or you're answering calls or your Slack or checking emails on the weekends, you know, all of that sets expectations and your expectation, your, your employer initially is hiring you for a set number of hours, you know, uh, anything that you're doing above and beyond that you're doing for free, you know, but when you start doing that, people expect that of you. And uh, that's one thing that I've really struggled with because I have no boundaries, right. And, you know, I'll check emails on the weekends and look at my Slack on the weekend and, you know, work until eight o'clock every night. Yeah. And that, that only hurts me. You know, <laughs> my company doesn't care that I'm doing that. In fact, they're probably happy, uh, because I'm doing all this extra work for free, you oh, know, yeah. but, um, but what it does is it, 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 resets expectations. And now when I don't answer emails on the weekend, it, uh, my boss is like, is everything okay? You know, I sent you an email on Saturday and you didn't respond and, yeah. and that's my own fault.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, it, you know, it always sounds like we're just completely shitting on hustle culture, but the way that it, what I always come back to is just balance. Work-life yeah. balance, I think, is the most important thing. And the one thing that mm-hmm. I did want to bring up is, you know, um, how, hustle, how hustle culture kind of demonizes the work that doesn't respond with correspond with with passions. Like, wanting a job right. that you're passionate about is always ideal. Yeah. But we can still be happy doing something that we aren't passionate about by uh, remembering everything that work and that job provides us. Right. There's so many people without jobs, especially right now. There are so many people that are living on less than one dollar a day in the world. Right. So I think realizing this and never losing sight of the fact that there's somebody out there that has less than you, and there's somebody out there that can work harder than you and still make less than you. I think that realizing this helps us understand that it isn't always the work that drives unhappiness. It's how we think about the work that we're doing. So I feel like if you're in somebody, if you're in a position where you have a job and you're unhappy, don't quit. I mean, you want to quit your job, that's the journey you want to go down. But you know, by changing your relationship to the work that you're doing, you could cultivate feelings of happiness by remembering everything that you have to be grateful for by what it provides you. If it's able to feed your family, if Mm -hmm. it's able to put food on your table, pay your rent, that is something that should be appreciated. Um, Always work towards your dreams on doing something that you're passionate about, but don't feel bad because there are other people out there telling you that unless you're doing something you're happy with, you don't have a right to, to feel happiness over being in a job that you're unhappy with. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like when yep. you raise the bar so high and you have these people that are like, oh, well, look at all these sort of these sheep that are just following the herd and you guys need to like take life into your own hands. Like it, it's sort of demeaning in a way. It makes you feel like you're not doing enough. So I feel like it's really important to remember that you can still be happy by changing your relationship to what you're doing. That would be my approach. I guess the more spiritual perspective is that you can learn how to be happy doing anything. Agreed.
0: You, can, you really You can, can learn
1: to be happy doing anything. So there was this fellow by the name of Robert Waldinger, And uh, he conducted this Harvard study of adult development. They've been studying this, this study, this particular study that I'm going to be talking about for 82 years, the past 82 years. They have been studying the lives of 724 men and their families as young adults. And this is what they figured out. That when they were young adults, most of the men believed that fame, wealth, status were the biggest priorities in life to reach happiness. This is what they're taught. I mean, I can relate to this because this is what we're taught growing up. This is what we're taught. Yeah. And the studies have shown that the most successful people were people that leaned into relationships with family, friends, and community. That was the, the the sort of ultimate sort of uh, takeaway that this guy, Robert, I saw this, he did a TED Talks. Uh, I guess a really, really well-known person works at Harvard said in the end, it all came down to relationships. It all came down to, to that. So trying to, you know, cultivate your passions can be a group effort. At least for me, I think whenever I had the support of my family, the support of my friends, whenever they were a part of that, it seemed uh, that whole process of reaching success, success became a little bit more organic. I wasn't cutting off my relationships to people. It was more sustainable and it made me happier, you know. I think it's really important because you're going to have days where you feel overwhelmed. And if you have friends or family that you can talk to or people that you could get a different perspective from, that only helps the sort of goal that you're trying to reach, you know what I mean? Imagine being one of those people that has so much responsibility and they have nobody to talk to. They have no social Mm -hmm. circle, nobody to communicate with, how alone those people must feel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, waking up, working, going to sleep, repeat um, is never going to lead to a fulfilling life. You need to have those relationships with your friends, with your family, with your children. That's what, that's what makes an impact that when you're on your deathbed, that's what you're thinking about. Not like, oh, it's a good thing that, you know, I worked until 8 p.m. every night. That's not what you're going to be.
1: Yeah. That's not what you're going to be remembering. It's true. And it changes, it changes your, your relationship and the way that you see other people. And I know we talked about this mm-hmm. already, but, you know, especially in LA, like I live in Los Angeles, literally everybody here is trying to make something happen. And one thing that I oh, noticed yeah. about all the people down here in LA is the way that they see other people. They don't see people as people per se. They see people as resources to get yes. to where they want to be, right? So relationships, Absolutely. when you're involved in hustle culture, relationships can become transactional instead of emotional. And if we are approaching our relationships that way, we don't value family, we don't value friends, and basically that whole genuine connection with other people goes out the window. Hustle culture, I feel like, is largely responsible for this because instead of looking at somebody that we could you know, develop a friendship with, we're looking at, okay, what does this person do? How much money do they make? How can they support my dreams and my passions? And that is just a really, really toxic way to look at human connection.
0: I had a, I had a really hard time when I moved to California because I came from Texas from the South and people are, um, just inherently friendly, you know, and, um, the agendas are different, you know, uh, family and raising children and getting married and all of that jazz is, is really more important than, than achieving career goals, you know, and uh, that's kind of a a general way, a, a, a generality. It's not that way for everyone, of course, but. Um, when I moved to California, I noticed exactly what you said, like, even, even with guys that was dating, but, um, when I would try to make friends with other females and I would, they'd ask me, Oh, well, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a nurse and totally not interested, right? Like, Oh, well, uh, you're a nurse. You're not going to help me, you know, in my career. So whatever. So it was really, really hard to actually connect with people. So I kind of figured that out and I was like, well, um, maybe I should tell people that I'm not a nurse, that I work for a plastic surgeon. So, um, which I did, you know, but I left that part out. So, uh, I noticed the responses that I would get from people were really different whenever I was like, oh, you know, I'm a nurse for a plastic surgeon. Oh, oh, oh then uh-huh, I had something uh-huh. to offer. Right.
1: That's so um, crazy.
0: So it really kind of sad. <laughs> it was really sad.
1: It's so but crazy that was the, when you think about that. You
0: know, kind of the only way that I could meet people.
1: Right. Hey, right. And I think like that, that is obviously, there's an expectation, there's a belief that they have, like, they're not even thinking about you, you know, it's like they, you're, you, you don't really even exist to them. They're just always thinking about how I can fit you into my life in some way, what I, right. I can benefit off of you. And it just seems like a, just a really dark, dark way to look at life.
0: Shitty way you know? to live. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an emotional connection is so important. So I think it's, in. It, it, so I think it's really, really important to work from a sustainable place. Hustle culture, um, this whole idea of, you know, hustling for the, the purpose of wanting to be successful or rich is, is just not sustainable. You know, doing something out of desperation is not sustainable. I think what is sustainable is doing something for the betterment of humanity, doing something because it makes us happy, doing something that we simply love doing, adding value for other people. And I think it really shows. Like you can tell when someone's trying to sell you, some snake oil, you know what I mean? Or you can tell when somebody's yeah. really doing it because they really care. They really care about you because there's something else driving the ship. You can tell that what they're doing, they're doing it because they love to do it and they love people. You can just tell when there are people out there that are just looking to take advantage of people. We have to really practice balance with all of this and really work from our awareness and, and figure out where the sort of loopholes are and where the the pros and the cons are in order to not get taken advantage by the, by this. And I think the way that we can avoid falling into all these different traps is by turning your attention inwards and focusing on yourself and realizing that you are responsible for how you feel, not somebody else. I mean, I think like now when I read these stories about success, I consider those things, but I also have to uh, approach it from this place of knowing who I am first and knowing what it is that I represent and not losing mm-hmm. sight of my values and my boundaries and what it is that is important for me. And I think that comes down to just building self-love, you know? Yeah. It sounds so simple, but you'd be surprised at how many people miss that because they're so busy chasing other things. The simplicity mm-hmm. is what makes it ironic. All these people are on this tireless journey pointed outwards out into the world, trying to find out what the magical cure is. And it is as simple as just turning your attention inwards and having enough courage to look at your own suffering enough courage to look at your own feelings of inadequacy and really leaning into that and understanding why it exists. And I think the reason why people don't do that is because they're afraid. They're afraid to look at those feelings inside of themselves. And so they'll go out into the world trying to find somebody else to fix it for them. But no one's going to fix it for you. Not to say that you can't be successful going down that path, but you can make it a lot easier on yourself if you're somebody that is really driven by love to go inwards and operate from that place. Right. Not was doing it. I
0: something like like additionally to that is um, making sure that you reward yourself. You know, um, when you're hustling constantly, it's with the mindset that one day, you know, this is all going to pay off, and maybe it never does. You know, so it's really True. important to reward yourself along the way. Give yourself those breaks. Give your give yourself the opportunity for your mind to wonder and and you know stimulate some of that creativity. We need to have a little bit of space. You know, you have, need to have space in between your task to, um, to give your brain a rest. I mean, there's so many, so many things that I think about subconsciously after I step away from something and then all of a sudden I have the solution to the problem or a new idea um, just by giving myself the space to do something else.
1: That's true. I notice a lot of what people do is driven by these feelings of wanting to be accepted by our communities, right? Wanting to yeah. want validation from other people. And I think that's the reason fundamentally why people do anything. And so the two ways that we can kind of go about doing it, people think that, you know, having money and being successful is you're going to get that validation. But I just feel like it's a better route to take approaching it with this sort of energy of, of, of doing it because you love to do it, not because you're seeking validation from other people. Like you're doing it just for the joy and the sake of doing it. And I think that's the main thing. I think that people, it's all to me comes down to human human connection. If you're happy doing what you do and it brings you joy, you'll naturally get that validation and that approval from other people because you will have attracted them with the love and the happiness that you radiate from doing what it is that you love doing. And that is more yeah, sustainable. Yeah, the quantum because, physics of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the quantum physics of it because that is, that is going to positively impact your relationships. And if it's about approval at the end of the day if it's about human connection that is something that is more sustainable like love is more sustainable attracting people with that energy of happiness and joy is more sustainable than just getting that surface level sort of approval and validation from somebody just because you're you're rich it's just it doesn't seem sustainable to me so you don't don't seek to improve to prove somebody wrong don't seek to, you know, improve and expect success just in and of itself to bring you happiness. Don't seek success to escape from the toxic sort of inward reality that you may have. You know, don't seek success for money. Don't seek success out of anger. Mm-hmm. Do it because it brings you joy and it makes you happy. And I I tend to think that like, you know, the universe has a very specific lesson for all of us to learn. And I've never learned that by trying to fast-track through life. I just learned it by trusting that the universe is going to pull me in the direction that I need to go. And some days it may seem like it's taking forever, and some days it might seem like it's speeding by. But just taking it as it comes, just focusing on the things that make me happy, the universe will determine whether or not I am best suited for that life or, or not. Like, mm-hmm. I could have chosen this sort of experience prior to incarnating here, that maybe kept me in this space of sort of like the the median point in life because that struggle is every bit as responsible for my happiness as the happiness that I have is. I, I'm at this point in my life where I do not define my success by how much money I have, or I do not define my happiness by how much money I have. The happiness that I've, I feel and I've cultivated over time, all of the challenges that I've ever experienced in my life have contributed to that. So, I'm super grateful mm-hmm. for how challenging life can become. And I know, I think that in some ways it needs to exist in order to kind of catapult us forward into this sort of like spiritual awakening that we're all trying to reach. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. We're all trying to get there one day at a time. We're
1: all trying to get one this meditation
0: little, at a time. <laughs> know,
1: one meditation at a time. And I know that, you know, we, we talked about it. We talked a lot of shit on the hustle culture, Jen. And you know what I noticed? I I, I actually read that Gary Vee's even, he's not talking about hustle culture as much. He went from talking about hustle culture to talking about the whys. Why is it that you're doing what you do? I think that's a really important way to kind of approach it from. That
0: is the most important thing. And I I can promise you, from my own experience, anytime you're doing something that you don't love and you don't have a passion for, it's very rarely successful. And you're just wasting your time. And you're making yourself miserable in the process. So what's the point?
1: Or maybe you do get successful and you have all these toys and you have this big house, but you're just like sitting alone in your living room, eating hot Cheetos, watching Netflix because you have nobody yep. to enjoy it with, no time. I mean, look, I, I know I think doctors go through a lot of shit. Like doctors do a lot of good in the world, but I, I've known a fair share of doctors in my life. A lot of them don't have a social life. All they do is work all day long. They have all this all money, but they work. don't have any, any time to cultivate human yeah. re- human connection or human relationships. wonder yeah, what that's I dated,
0: like. I dated a doctor all through college. And um, I actually, it's funny, I just talked to him the other day. And uh, he has two kids now and is married and he married a, an attorney. So, you know, both high performing, high achieving people. And uh, I saw this cool post on LinkedIn and it was uh, a mom who uh, made... A human body out of Play-Doh, because her kid said that she wanted to be a surgeon. So um, I thought it was really cool, like this whole like human body kit, and you can you can cut it open and it has all like the layers of, of the anatomy. It was just, it was really neat. So I sent it over to him and he responded. He said, I'm really discouraging my, my kids from going into medicine. And I thought it was kind of sad because he's an excellent surgeon and, you know, a really smart person, but I know where that comes from. That comes from, he's exhausted and has been exhausted since the day I met him, (laughs) you know, working over a hundred hours a week, whenever he was in uh, medical school and doing his residency, now to being a surgeon and being on call all the time and, you know, not being able to really enjoy his life.
1: And I think that with something like that, it's just really about balance because it's not really his fault, you know, like the our, our system is sort of, I guess, moderated in such a way that he just has to just work all the time. He's definitely doing something good for the world. So he's not doing it for the wrong reasons. Because, you know, it's really difficult to be a doctor. So I feel like you have to like really have yeah. a passion for doing it in order to get to where he's at. But that just sure. speaks to like a larger sort of issue that happens in the world, which is that people shouldn't have to work this hard.
0: No, they shouldn't.
1: Like, the people shouldn't have to work as hard. They shouldn't have to work as long in order to make a living, uh, especially I now. I love the Dan I,
0: Price model where yeah. he pays everybody. His minimum wage is 75000 a year. That's a livable wage for anybody to live anywhere, you know? Yeah.
1: That's That's, true. I would love to see
0: the country like evolve into that. I don't know if it
1: ever will, but. And and in some ways, maybe it's not ever going to. So what are you going to do at Mm -hmm. that point? Are we going to constantly beat ourselves over the head with this idea that we're never enough? Or are we going to maybe change our relationship with this whole thing and think like, okay, it may be wishful thinking from my perspective, but I feel like there is a deeper sort of spiritual reason why we experience this pressure, like why we experience this sort of these challenges, because the Mm -hmm. one thing that I know just based off of my my experience in life is that we learn meaning through these challenges that we experience. Never learned anything good by having something given to me. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm at the sort of peak of where I want to be, but I think it's just acknowledging the fact that I think this planet and this world and this incarnation is designed to get us to like really awaken to love and to meaning and the best way that we can do that is by going through some of the most challenging things that we we go through in this life. So I think that's yeah. the way that we learn, you know.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And uh another small piece of advice. This is another thing my grandma said. Um she said you never want to be the richest bitch in the cemetery. Which is <laughs> <We're just, laughs> what? We're just so yeah, which is so true, right? You know, um if you have um if you have a poor relationship to money and you're holding, clinging on and holding on tight to it and saving every penny and, you know, uh, not spending it and not enjoying it, what's the point of having it?
1: Well, well I'm, I'm so been still running. back at the you don't want to be the richest bitch in the cemetery. What is that? What is that yeah. about?
0: Yeah, you don't want to be dead um with a with a savings savings account full of money that you, you know, <laughs> never got to enjoy. Ah, so, I got you know, it. You want those shoes, buy the shoes. You want to go on that vacation, go on the vacation. Trust me, you'll find the money, you'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to treat yourself. You got to be good for yourself. You don't just save for like a retirement. Like you're going to have all this money when you're like 70 years old and you're not going to have any energy in order to spend it, you know?
0: Yeah, in order to enjoy it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah so I mean we
0: want to prepare for our future, but we don't want to, we don't want to hoard.
1: yeah, we don't want to hoard. I knew balance. people like I, I had some jobs in the past where um, there were employees that had been working with our organization for 20, 30 years, and it was time for them to retire. and they were so excited to retire at the end of uh, sort of their tenure there. I remember having meetings with them, and they were just like, yeah, I appreciate everything. That I've been through with you guys, but I'm so ready for retirement. And they just, they had this sort of glow and this energy to them. Like they finally made it. And guess what? Yeah. Six months later, they came back and they were working again.
0: Yeah, because they're bored.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. cause they were mm-hmm. bored. And, and that's not the case with everybody. But we have very, very specific ways that we look at that sort of process working out. And I'm just more about, you know what, you live in the moment, make yourself happy now. I tend to just live as though I'm not going to be alive five years from now. Like, I just try and just live life the best that I can every single day. And, yeah. you know, I feel like that's, that's the way that I kind of move through it, Jen. That's the way yeah. that I kind of move through it.
0: You have to reward yourself. Yeah. You can always live in the future. You have to live in the present, too.
1: You got to live in the present. You got to live in the present. That's the, the only place that's real anyways, right? That's it's the right. only place that exists that we really only know about what happens in the present moment. happens in the past or the future that's not you that's your mind knowing where you exist is in the now and i feel like that's where all of the inspiration the creativity comes from so just operate from that space i love how all these episodes always just come down to just these very simple things just be in the now be present and operate
0: meditate
1: meditate operate from love and then work from there and see what happens you'd be surprised Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at kind of what goes down when you operate from that place some people will say that they love driving for wealth and success. Well, you aren't going to be too happy when you don't actually get there, will you? Wealth and success <laughs> does not drive passion. Love for what you do drives passion. So find out, find out what you love to do. There's somebody out there. Every, you know, every single person has something that they are good at doing. So explore that. And the way that you find that out is by exploring yourself. Spend some time with yourself. Try and figure out what it is that you love to do. And work from there. Don't be too hard on yourself. Hustle culture is a crazy, crazy beast. Come of pull you left and right. But if you're somebody that absolutely has to go down that path, go down that path. But just be conscious and mindful of how it's impacting your life. Right?
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. You know, like a subscribe to our episodes on YouTube. You're probably already on an audio platform. If you can leave us a comment, let us know how we're doing. You can reach out to us also on Instagram at Divine Nobody's Podcast. Send us a message. If you have any topics you want us to discuss, we we'll always love your feedback. And you could also email us at divine nobody's podcast at gmail.com. Always look forward to sharing space with you guys. Have a good day. Namaste.
0: Namaste, friends.